The Sun Records Podcast with Rock and Ed, Episode 6, Jimmy D. Berry and Walter Horton, Easy, backed with Before Long, Sun number 180, released March folks unscripted as usual and well looks like we have a little bit of controversy here that's the a side a song called easy but it's really not an easy song it sort of gets louder as it goes on and very very intense however (laughs) here's the thing we all know at least any of us that know anything about music classic r&b know that this is based on i almost lost my mind by ivory joe hunter yeah, just, 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 just check this out. When I lost my baby, I almost lost my mind. When I lost my baby, I almost lost my head is in a spin said she's left me behind whoa 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 just a minute just a minute how did in the world did Pat Boone get in there <sighs> hope he doesn't show up again <laughs> anyway we all know that Ivory Joe had the hit in 1950 but uh, we're not talking about Ivory Joe Hunter or Pat Boone. This is a Sun Records podcast. And, of course, I'm unscripted, uh, you know, which is probably uh, the fun part about it. I I hate those podcasts that have a a certain uh, way of talking. And I just like to just talk about the uh, music just casually, Uh, just like I was talking to you live or whatever, if you're listening to me, you know, with headphones or in the car or whatever. Anyway, um, the label just said, Jimmy and Walter, uh, Jimmy DeBerry, and then uh, Walter Horton. I'll tell you a little bit about Walter Horton. He was known by several names, uh, Big Walter, as opposed to Little Walter, Mumbles, Shaky, Tangle Eye, and then just plain Walter. He was born on April 6, 1918 in Horn Lake, Mississippi, and um, he taught himself how to play the harmonica when he was only five years old. Uh, he moved to Arkansas, then Memphis, so... Uh, working odd jobs outside of the music business. He did, um, it says he recorded for the Memphis Jug Band, but he had to have only been like eight or nine years old if he did that. So um, he settled in Chicago, just like a lot of other blues guys did, and worked on Maxwell Street. And uh, he worked with Eddie Taylor's band for a while and recorded some sides for Modern and RPM in Memphis. And uh, recorded uh, previously for Sam Phillips, also for Chess. Mm-hmm. Now, he did work with Muddy Waters for a while. He 
being in Chicago, he worked for people like Johnny Shines and um, others. He was on several labels, um, like States Records. He was uh, also on J.O.B. And uh, he continued to work in Chicago uh, during the 1960s. He uh, toured with a lot of the big names like Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf. He uh, played with uh, in the American Folk Blues Festival and um, also backed up Big Mama Thornton. Yeah, he was at the Monterey Jazz Festival. This guy uh, turned out to be one of the uh, major blues artists. Um, he would record... Uh, Occasionally uh, in Chicago, sometimes he'd record, um, you know, for the BBC and uh, different things like that. But anyway, um, he continued to play during the uh, 1960s and 1970s. Now, in 1979, uh, the Dutch website that I get some of this information from, and it uh, may or may not be correct, says that he was in the Blues Brothers movie. But I don't recall seeing him in the Blues Brothers but uh, he died on December 8th, uh, 1981, uh, because of his um, addiction to alcohol. So, uh, anyways, that's the story on Big Walter. <laughs> Side one being an instrumental, side two was a vocal by the other fellow on this recording, Jimmy D. Berry, who had another release on Sun coming up a little bit later at 185. So I'll tell you a little bit more about him once I get to that, but we're going to get uh, straight to the recording. Of course, I always have to put the disclaimer in that I cannot play the entire song because of certain internet rules. But I will tell you that if you want to hear the entire song, you can go to either Spotify, which carries this podcast, by the way, or YouTube, uh, one of the other platforms somewhere you can find it. Or even if you have the CD, especially that, uh, oh, that six-volume Bear Family box set, which has all of the Sun, Flip, and Phillips International singles in it, which I would recommend because, well, if you want everything, then <laughs> that's where you go. But getting back to this, uh, the personnel was uh, Walter Horton on harmonica, or harp. I, I want to say harp. Uh, Jimmy DeBerry was, uh, of course, playing backup guitar and doing the vocal on this particular side uh, before long. And Houston Stokes was the drummer. So here's a little bit of before long. The woman I'm loving, dead and in a grave. Said a woman I hate See her every day But I'll get a break Yeah, somewhere Before long Okay, once again, we have some borrowing going on. I don't want to say stealing, ripping off or anything like that. We can say borrowing. Uh, the line that you heard, the woman I love dead in her grave, woman I hate see her every day. Now, there are a couple of examples that were uh, used 
on the Dutch website. And so I'll, I'll play a little bit of both of them. One was uh, from 1928 by Furry Lewis, and the other from 1951 by Tony Hollins. Woman, I hate, I see her every day. Woman, I hate, I see her every day. But the woman I love, she's so far away. The woman I'm loving Got long black curly hair Would come to see you But your man don't like me there But I'll get a break Somewhere Before Hey, would you like to make your own podcast? Sure. Anchor is a free platform for podcast creation, and it's also beginner-friendly. It contains tools that allow users to record and edit audio, arrange it into podcast episodes, publish podcasts to listening platforms, and to even monetize content by collecting listener contributions or adding advertisements into episodes. And it's by Spotify, too, so you can listen to it on either Spotify or one of the other podcast hosting sites. Anchor is easy. And now, back to our program. Now, there's something very, very special about this release, Sun 180. This was the very, very first Sun release to be issued on a 45 RPM. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about 45s. This is going to be a little interesting story we've got for you. Now, by that time, all of the major labels were... Uh, pressing 45s, RCA, Columbia, DECA, Capital, London, MGM, Mercury, and so on and so forth. And even some of the R&B labels like Specialty, Atlantic, uh, King, Aladdin. A lot of those companies were also putting out 45 RPMs. But Sam Phillips, of course, running a very, very small label, uh, didn't really have the financial stability to, uh, you know, to risk you know, putting out a 45, but he did, uh, th- but this particular release. Now, let me let me go back and, and give you the history of the 45s. Now, of course, uh, 78 was the standard speed that had been um, been around since the late 1800s. Berliner was the first to manufacture the discs, and of course, the discs didn't always spin at 78 RPM. Some were actually at 72 or 73. Some were 80, 81, and even 84. Okay, however. 78 RPM was kind of like the standard. So on the later record players, especially after the three speeds came in, it was called 78. You didn't really see 78 speed on any older players. Now, 33 and a third had been introduced by Columbia in 1948. Uh, however, they that was not the first 33 and a thirds. RCA had done it as far back as 1931, on a shellac disc, uh, there were 10-inch. Uh, there were some a few inst- uh, discs that were for um, demonstration purposes. You'd have pop music on one side and classical on the other. But it was Columbia that put them on the market in 1948 for mass consumption. 33 and a third. And RCA thought, hmm, what are we going to do to counteract that? And somebody came up with the 45 RPM. You take 78 RPM. Minus 33, and you get 45. 
So RCA was uh, starting to manufacture the 45 RPM as an alternative. Now I'm going to play you excerpts from a demonstration disc that had come out in uh, 1949 that was used with displays in the stores. You're listening to the Sleeping Beauty, Tchaikovsky's beautiful ballet music, on the new distortion-free RCA Victor 45 RPM records. Toscanini hailed them as remarkably faithful and a significant advance. Listen, compare, and you too will agree that RCA Victor's 45 RPM record is the finest and best ever made. The record you're hearing is made of pure vinylite, yet you pay less for it. No breakage worries, no storage problems. One convenient size, all seven inches. More than 150 records or 24 hours of listening pleasure fit neatly into one small foot of bookshelf space. Just as the music you have heard is famous for its musical coloring, so too the seven bright colors of these new records represent seven major kinds of music. The Sleeping Beauty and all of the other great classics by the world's greatest artists are recorded on the Ruby Red record. Your favorite operettas and other semi-classics are on the Midnight Blue, like this. Yes, there's music for everyone on the new RCA Victor 45 RPM records. For instance... An old cowpoke went riding out one dark and windy day. Popular hits come on the conventional black record with artists like Perry Como, Sammy Kay, Vaughn Monroe, Tommy Dorsey, Phil Harris, and other top-notch artists. You'll really hear them as you've never heard them before on the new RCA Victor 45 RPM records. Listen now to Eddie Arnold. I'm sending you a big bouquet of roses. Eddie, as you know, is a popular artist of the country and western type of music, whose works are recorded on the all-green record. There's the Cerise record for blues and rhythm, the Sky Blue record for international music, and a wonderful new children's line, better than ever, brighter than ever, in a golden yellow. All of the records spinning around at the top of this display are not only wonderful to see, but beautiful to hear. Ask for the RCA Victor 45 RPM record catalog right now. Check the records you want to hear. Try them on the demonstration player. You'll be amazed at the clarity, the beauty, the joy of a record recorded entirely within the quality zone. Now, that was the demonstration record that was played in stores that had the new players. And the players themselves were these little models, probably about, yeah, about eight or nine inches in diameter, maybe a little bit more. They weren't very big at all. However, you had to buy an adapter to plug them into your existing players, your 78 players. And, of course, you had to buy an RCA player to, in order to play these records. They were starting to manufacture what they called a, um, 
an extension where you could buy one of these things and put it onto your regular player. And they even invented the plugs. That's why they call them the RCA jacks, because those were the plugs that were used to plug in the 45 RPM players to uh, early televisions, uh, 78 players, the main sets, you know, the ones that you'd see, those huge things with a small screen for the television set. So anyway, most people think, though, that RCA 48-0001 was the first 45 RPM ever manufactured, which, of course, was Eddie Arnold's Texarkana Baby, or RCA 50-0000, which was Arthur Big Boy Crudup's That's All Right Mama. She's my Texarkana baby, do I love her, lordy love. Her pappy came from Texas and her ma from Arkansas. I'm twisted around her finger like a little piece of string. And yet I'm satisfied because she's such a precious thing. If she hauled off and slapped me, I would never feel the sting. She's my Texarkana baby. and if you notice something on the demonstration record that I just played you, they didn't feature Arthur Big Boy Crude Up. Uh-uh. Heaven forbid, a blues record. I mean, these were manufactured for stores in nice neighborhoods, okay? And I'm, I'm not playing any cards or anything like that. I'm trying to be re realistic. They didn't want any black blues records played in white stores, okay? So, um, but they didn't want polkas either, okay? Now, the first actual 45 that was pressed, I'm going to play a, just two seconds of this. It's... A kid's record, those yellow records, Pee-wee the Piccolo. Why, thank you, said Pee-wee. I'll say a few words. Underneath the sky, there's nothing quite so high as a tune that's played by I, that's me. Boy, talking about going off on a tangent. Oh, Pee-wee the Piccolo. I actually have a, uh, another set. Uh, it's Roy Rogers and I believe the Sons of the Pioneers thing called Lore of the West, which... May have been in that early production run because it's also a yellow-colored children's record, and they use the um, use the green for country and the the cherry red cerise for R and B, and so on and so forth. But the major record companies, the only one that followed RCA's lead was Capitol. Uh, they thought the forty-five would be the next thing, so they started putting on all their releases on forty-five. However, Columbia being the main rival. And it's funny because RCA and Columbia are both owned by Sony today, so they're basically the same company. But back in 1948, 1949, they were fierce and bitter rivals. Uh, Columbia had been around since, well, they're the oldest record company. They were making cylinders back in the 1890s, and they transferred over to discs around the turn of the last century. Well, uh, this is long before Edison ever did. And then um, RCA was, of course, the Victor Talking Machine Company, which was founded in 1900, was the uh, successor to the Berliner Company. As I said, they were fierce rivals. 
And Columbia didn't want to put out this new 45 RPM. So what they did was they came up with this other 7-inch record at 33 and a third with these ridges at the center. And the sound quality wasn't all that great either. But they didn't want to do the 45s. And so all the Columbia hits of 1949-1950, including their massive hit Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer by Gene Autry, were put out on these 7-inch 33 and a thirds. And most of them you see in thrift stores and things, they're not worth a lot. You know, it's Frank Sinatra, Harry James, Dinah Shore. The ones that do command attention, though, are the early Stanley Brothers recordings for Columbia and then the R&B group The Ravens from 1950. But the other ones, yeah. And then shortly after that, uh, Decca, I think, was the third or fourth company, but they didn't do theirs until 1950. So by late 1950... Finally, Columbia decides that they're going to put out 7-inch 45s with the big hole. However, they thought they could get around it a little bit cheaper. So instead of using vinyl, they used something called styrene plastic. Yes, Columbia Records, the father of styrene 45s. That You can play them two or three times, and then, of course, the quality deteriorates much quicker. You get that hissy sound and all that. So that's the story of the 45 RPM record. And as I mentioned before, then the other companies like MGM and Mercury followed suit. Oh, by 1951, the R&B labels like Atlantic, Specialty, King, Aladdin got into it. But Sun, being a small company, decided that they wouldn't. Uh, well, Sam, Sam didn't really want to take the risk. However, oh, I did mention that, and I, I'll have to check this out. Uh, in 1951, Modern and RPM, which was one of the companies that Sam was producing for, put out a 7-inch 78 RPM. And I'm going to have to check back to see whether any of those releases uh, that Sam produced were issued on that strange 7-inch 78 RPM. But here we are at the end of another episode, and we've had some good response so far. Uh, if you have any other questions, uh, you can go to uh, the Anchor podcast. I, I think there's a place where you can put in um, oh, some comments and things. I know you can on the Facebook page. So go to the Facebook page where you're hearing this from Spotify. And if you have any questions or concerns or whatever, just uh, write them down there. And Still getting to sponsoring the show. I'm still looking for sponsors and also uh, a way to, uh, if you want to leave a tip or anything, I have a PayPal address, which is rockined1, that's the numeral one, at AOL.com. Uh, that's my PayPal address if you want to send a little donation of one or two bucks. You know, put a little money in the kitty. The tip jar, yes. But um, anyways, that's about it for this episode. Next one is going to be, of course, number 181. The first issue by Rufus Thomas. So, well, until next time, folks, uh, just uh, you know, keep enjoying the podcast and tell your friends about this. Yeah, spread the word. And we'll see you later. Going to head you out now with the last part of Easy. <laughs>